I'm Trish. And I'm Thaddeus, and you're listening to the Fallen Short Podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we are continuing our conversation about spiritual gifts. If you've been following along, uh, we're getting down there to the end. We've gone through about uh, maybe 16 of them, I believe. So about four each episode. So if you haven't listened, if you want to go back and listen through, you could check those last episodes out. We've just been in this series here for for a good month, month and a half now. So I think we did take a week off in the middle there for Thanksgiving. So, uh, and if you haven't been following along, we started doing this by taking a spiritual gifts test through giftstest.com. So they list out 22 different spiritual gifts. So that's what we are kind of basing what we're talking about on because you can find different lists of spiritual gifts depending on where you look. So you could see one that's maybe only got 10. Maybe there's one that has 30. Um, so yeah, we're basing what the ones we're talking off of from giftstest.com. So we are going to start off talking about the gift of a pastor or shepherd. And the definition they give is the gift of pastor slash shepherd is the divine strength or ability to care for the personal needs of others by nurturing and mending life issues. When you hear the word pastor, a lot of times you just think of the person who's preaching from the stage, right? But that's only one part, right? And that's, that's going to be something that we're also going to be talking about, you know, the gift of teaching. But when I think of what that definition is, and I think still think of the word pastor, I think of many churches where they have uh, a lot of different pastors. It's not just, oh, there's one pastor and, and he teaches, right? Some, some churches, larger churches will have multiple pastors that play different roles. And some of them are a lot more in a care role than a teaching role. Not to say that the ones that have a teaching role don't care for people, but they, you know, have different functions within the body. Another word for pastor would be shepherd, and it means to keep watch over the sheep and to help make sure that the sheep are well cared for and that they're being watched after. And so, for example, like somebody who leads you in a discipleship sort of way or helps shepherd over your heart and your relationship with the Lord, somebody who is kind of a mentor to you or your small group leader or something along those lines could also be under this category of shepherd, pastor, someone who bears the weight of helping to equip you and helping to see you flourish in your relationship with the Lord. And I don't want to downplay what I said. I mean, the pastor who is up speaking, they're definitely... It's not always going to be a one-on-one caring role, but they are up there speaking and caring for people's needs and, you know, trying to help with people's issues in their life from a more generalized point of view where they're going to be pastoring. And like, I know you and I have both been in services, Not as, you know, it could be the church we're in now, it could be a a different church in the past. It could be a special conference where they're speaking, the pastor's speaking, right? And something just clicks in your head of like, I needed that, right? That was something 
he didn't know or she didn't know, but I needed that personally. Right, because the Holy Spirit is an operation in them that helps them to minister the Word of God to and through you, and the Holy Spirit helps you receive what the Word of God is saying, and, and it helps that person speak what God is trying to say. It's just the Holy Spirit is an operation throughout the whole thing. Right, so it can be done in that aspect, and, and not just in a, oh, this is a pastoral care pastor, you know, or, or things like that. I didn't want to downplay, you know, yes, the one that's teaching from the pulpit can, is also has this gift of, you know, this pastoral shepherding gift. First Peter five verse one says the elders who are among you, I exhort, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. This is breaking down what motivates a shepherd, essentially, right? It's it's not doing it out of compulsion, but willingly. Like, not just doing it because it's an obligation, but something that you willingly enjoy doing, not something that's dishonest gain. Because people would say that they've seen that in church. They've seen pastors who have manipulated things to try to advance, right? And so this is kind of setting some boundaries on what pastoring shouldn't be versus what it should be. Not being lords over those who entrusted you. So don't lord your authority over people, but rather um, being a good example to them. So it's setting kind of a standard for godly living. It's knowing that people are looking on you. So it's avoiding the appearance of evil. It's trying to have a life that glorifies and shines for Jesus, right? Basically, you are shepherding a flock until the chief shepherd who's Jesus returns. That's what that's saying. So the cool thing about what we're talking about today is that there's something called the five-fold ministry gift. There's something that's called the equipping gift. And three of the four gifts we're talking about today fall under that category. So we're talking about, today we're talking about pastoring, prophecy, service, and teaching. But pastoring, prophecy, and teaching are all part of the five-fold ministry. And it's found in Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, And he gave to himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking truth in love may grow up in all things for him who is able to be the head, Christ. And the fivefold ministry gifts, those prophet, teacher, evangelist, apostle, and pastor, what these gifts do is they're given to the body of Christ to help lead the body of Christ and help to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So these are people in your life who are helping to train you up so you yourself can go into ministry. And it's, it's that 
gift that's so sovereignly put upon somebody's life that God maybe gives somebody the gift of pastoring to help train and equip other people or gives somebody the gift of teaching to help train. And we've talked about evangelism and we've talked about apostleship in past episodes, but it's that training up of a generation to help bring glory to God. The next one we're talking about is prophecy, which falls under the fivefold ministry. Yeah, and the definition that they give is that the gift of prophecy is the divine strength or ability to communicate God's truth and heart in a way that calls people to a right relationship with God. And I know, so last week we talked about, we touched on the word of knowledge. And I believe our next episode, we will be talking about word of wisdom. And I, I, I feel like both of those relate to the gift of prophecy in a way, but they kind of have their own little corner. If you look in the Bible about, I mean, there's, there's books that we, you know, talk about that they're called the prophets, right? And, you know, there's prophecies in the Old Testament that are about Jesus's coming and you see things like that. And it's, it's one of those gifts where some people have a hard time of like, oh, that was just for Bible like times, or it's not really something that happens today. And I, I believe that it really does still happen today. But the other piece of that too is, you know, people also view it in a way of, of, uh, oh, that's wacky or, you know, wait, so what about, what if I went to a tarot card reader or got my palm read, right? And things like that, where it's a little bit more of the perverted of the spiritual gifts, right? Where people are using, like we talked about previously, if you, if you listened, where you're using these gifts that are available to you, but you're perverting them. And it's like, God's going to be like, you know, I, I never knew you, right? You're, you're not using what I've given you to glorify me. And I think it's very important if somebody is speaking to you and believes they're giving you a prophetic word that, and the same thing I said before about a word of knowledge and things like that, it's, it's taking that and not taking it as like verbatim, this is going to happen. Right. But taking it as, okay, now I need to see what's going to happen. And this could be the outcome. And, really, you know, take hold and test it to God's word and test it to, you know, is this, is this really something of God or is this just somebody playing up on, on using this as a, as a gift when really it's them trying to, you know, look good. So scripture to support all that is first Thessalonians five, verse 19 through 22 says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So what that scripture is saying is don't quench the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to be at work. I, I know that people really struggle with prophecy being for today. I personally believe that God still speaks to people today. I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that when Holy Spirit comes into us, and comes into our hearts and our minds that Holy Spirit ministers to us, through us, pours out of us into the people around us and helps us to even know when prophecies are are true. It, it kind of helps us to fill things out. You know, 
if somebody's preaching and I believe that preachers a lot of times function under a prophetic anointing because they are hopefully praying and asking God what people need to hear. And then Holy Spirit ministers to them what it is that his sheep need to hear. And the Bible says the sheep hear his voice. And so as we are listening to God for ourselves or from the preaching that we're listening to, hopefully then we are hearing from God, correct? Yeah, and there... Don't get me wrong. I know I, I'm, I've been speaking a little bit more of what, the negativeness that it sees. And, and I think some of that comes from, you know, just even quote unquote Christians and believers that they want to be right. They want to be the first to, you know, just kind of like the news, right? Where breaking news, I'm reporting that this happened, right? You heard it here first. You know, the, there's definitely some of that. And I think of when you think back to Y2K or you think back to 2012 and different things that people in Christianity were trying to foretell, you know, it's going to be the end of the world and things like that. And people want to know, like, when is Jesus coming back? Those types of things can give prophecy a bad name because, well, those things are usually wrong. (laughs) And you know what, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back like a thief in the night. That's what God's word says. So that to me is, is very much testing. Oh, they said this. Oh, what does God's word have to say about it? Is every little thing that somebody tries to prophesy going to be verbatim in God's word? Not necessarily. Right. But that's a, that's a bright shining example. Right. You can't use prophecy as the ultimate authority in your life you use it as kind of um, something that you hold loosely you don't grip your hand around it but you hold it loosely you examine it against the word of God the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let all things be established so it's taking a prophetic word that has been given to you hold it loosely see if that prophetic word comes around again from somebody else you know it's it's examining it throughout your life as those words come into um, fruition or they fall on the wayside. I know in my life, I've, I've grown up around the prophetic and my dad operated in the prophetic. I would, I would say, I think it's my number three spiritual gift. Um, And I'm not saying like, thus saith the Lord, you know, in this moment, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to me and hopefully I can help, you know, other people with what Holy Spirit is speaking to me. However, there's been several times in my life where prophecy has really helped to guide me. There's been several times in my life where I've received a prophetic word that has been way off, you know, and not even close to what God actually ended up doing when time came to fruition and that prophetic word didn't happen. But there's been a lot of times where God, by his sovereignty and his His grace, has used prophetic utterance from somebody else to help me withstand a blow that was coming my way or to help me with maybe making plans for my life and I'm not saying we should use prophecy as a way that is fortune telling I think that's a huge way it's abused in the body of Christ that first of all people use it as manipulation where they are looking to use prophecy to help kind of their will their way and 
using it as, well, God told me this, so this needs to happen. And that's manipulation. That's lying to the Holy Spirit. That's not the way it's designed to be. It's not it's not so you can get your way so God's will can be done. And then another way I see it greatly abused is I've seen, you know, people, they're just always trying to hear from the prophet and hear what a prophet has to say rather than hearing what God has to say to them in their one-on-one time with God. So getting alone with God. And to me, I, I find the most trueness of what God is trying to tell me, usually in those times where I'm alone with God and he is undoing me and he's teaching me something and not that 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 that's because that's better I just find that's where it's the most consistent because I don't consistently come across a prophet who's speaking into my life but I can consistently get in the word of God every day and get before his throne and become undone and allow him to help shape me in those ways versus always looking or chasing down a prophetic word and I I see that abuse in the body of Christ and I it's where I throw up red flags and caution myself a lot against the or towards the prophetic rather. And I've just seen a lot of manipulation, you know, even when you think of like the political cycles that we've been through and and the different things that have happened along those lines, it, it makes you question pr- prophecy. It makes you question the gifting. But I know that the gifting is true also. I know I've I've seen it in my life in times where I've really needed it. I've had prophetic words over my children. I've had prophetic words over things that were going to happen in my life that were going to be difficult. I've had prophetic words of just things that have happened kind of all throughout my life. But like I've said, I've had way off the wall things people have told me that you know, I'm just kind of like, okay, that's the only time I've ever heard that. We'll see if God ever confirms it again by somebody else. But the Bible says that in First Thessalonians 5, that the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. And so when one prophet, one person is prophesying, it should be done in the presence of other prophets. It should be done in the presence of elders. It should be done in the presence of people who have discernment so they can discern if that really is the word of God or if that is just kind of far-fetched and um, maybe manipulation. That's why we need people with wisdom in our life too. So we can take, hey, you know what? I was at church the other day and somebody gave me this word and I'm not really sure what it means. That's where you have those people in your life who you trust, those pastors, those shepherds, elders, um, people with gift of discernment to help you figure out okay, yes, that is God. I really do feel like that's what God is saying to you. Or no, that sounds doesn't sound like it's God. It doesn't match up with what the word of God says. It's not that, you know. The only one who is functioning in the capacity to know everything is God. And God will allow a prophet to know in part what God is up to. But the prophet will never fully know all God is up to because the Bible says that prophets know in part and they prophesy in part. And so there's only ever going to be a part of what a prophet knows. They will never know the full picture. They're never going to know the full understanding of what God is doing. They might have a sensing. They might have an inkling because of what the Lord has told them. But they're never going to know the full picture of what God is up to because that is for God alone to know. So the next the gift we're talking about is service. The gift of serving is the divine strength or ability to do small or great tasks in working for the overall good of the body of Christ. And I know I said this before, I think on the episode when we talked about the gift of helps, 
how it very much ties to serving and vice versa. To me, it very much is because, you know, if you're there and you have this gift to help people and it might be to help, you know, more generalized help with your, uh, the local church or, or whatever, right? The gift of serving is that ability to see a need and be able to step in and help, right? There it is, help. So you're you're stepping in and you have this this need of like, uh, well, I think of it like this. I think of we have a big Christmas production coming up at our church and there's lots of areas to serve in. And Trish might not score high on the gift of serving, but she does see the need and so she will step in and serve, right? I do score high on the gift of serving, and there, you know, there's different tasks and I'd very much like to put myself in an area where I know I can be a great help and not just serve to serve. Right. So there's different ways that people serve. Like I, I see something of like, oh, I could help with this because we've talked about this before. And this is a, you know, big production. Maybe I could ask and help and do that. Right. I can think of times for me serving over the years, whether that's directly in the church or not, but directly in the church, ever since I was a teenager, I started to serve on the worship team uh, in my youth group. And I, I did that a number of years as I was a young adult and into my 30s where I served doing worship, I served doing sound, I served doing setup, teardown. So not always up on stage doing serving, you know, in the in the quote unquote limelight, but serving in the behind the scenes aspect of making sure things are running, making sure the tech is running, making sure that everything goes smoothly. And outside of the typical church body, church building, even doing it as a at a music festival where I helped manage a stage, right? I didn't get, I shouldn't say I didn't get paid. There was a couple of years where I did, but there was other years where, you know, they just gave me free food or whatever. Right. But it still was me serving because I found joy in doing that. And I found that you needed somebody who was invested to do it because Trish can attest when I was doing it for that festival, I wasn't just at the stage during the time the performances were happening. I pretty much was there all day making sure that if bands that were showing up, they could find me and I could talk to them. It was very much a, a, I very much was going above the pay grade, so to so to speak. I saw what the big picture was and I wanted to make sure what it was going to happen. It's keeping that vision. Like what is the mission? What is the vision of what you're trying to do in front of you. So when you're doing what seems like a tedious task, you remember that everything you do, you do for the glory of God. And Galatians- Well, right. I mean, you even when you're doing stuff at church where you ask people to to come and help, but sometimes you're you're overseeing some small group leaders, right? That are that are serving in that capacity. Sometimes you're asking for people to do guest service. Sometimes you're asking for people to I don't know, stuff some envelopes, do, you know, like, but they're there. They're like, I want to serve. I, I, 
I see the purpose. They see the big picture of, I don't, this is what I can do. Right. And I know that it's a, it might seem small, but I can see like that's a need. Right. Right. And from that need, as you're faithful and pursuing that need, it will eventually produce fruit. So Galatians 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. So it's that pressing in. It's that continuously working towards a goal because as you work towards that goal and as you are continuously sowing and you don't grow weary, eventually you'll reap a harvest. And it says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. So this is talking about serving and doing good to people who are in in your body of Christ, in your fellowship that you're in, in your church. And so the gift of serving in this capacity, when it's talking about it as a spiritual gift, is talking about serving in your local assembly. It's serving those who you are worshiping alongside. And the Bible says the greatest of all is a servant of all. It says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And so when we are doing those things and we're pressing in and we're serving aside one another, we are serving Christ but we are being like Christ. We are being Christ-like. We are being Christians as we are serving and doing like things that maybe seem to the world foolish because why would you give up your time and go do that? Why would you give up your time and when you could be doing this to be at church serving? You know, it just seems foolish to the world, but to us, that's Christ-like. That is how we are able to call ourselves Christians. Like the definition said, it's doing small or great tasks in working for the overall good of the body of Christ. Right. You're, you're going to have opportunities to serve, whether you feel like this is a gift of yours or not. And again, like we've said before, I think we all should be desiring all of these gifts. Doesn't mean that we're all going to have them. But even if it's just a little bit, right, maybe that push to go serve donuts and coffee for a service, right? Maybe that's a push that, you know, I'll try it. And maybe it, maybe it, maybe it's not for you, right? But then maybe you see it from that, you see something else. You're like, you know what? Actually, I think I would rather serve and go hold babies in the nursery. So there's, there's all sorts of sizes of tasks that need to be done and there's all sorts of sizes of gifts that people have in these different areas and you might think that you are the best of the best at doing something but then you go to serve in that area and you're like oh no <laughs> right but that doesn't mean there's not a place for you so I think the last one we're going to talk about this week is the gift of teaching the gift of teaching is the divine strength or ability to study and learn from the scriptures, primarily to bring understanding and depth to other Christians. So again, like the first one we talked about pastoring and shepherding. I mean, that teaching very much goes with a pastor. It's not always from the, from the stage, from the pulpit, right? They very much can teach people elsewhere, right? Right. Not every pastor is a teacher and not every teacher is a pastor, but they are very much a lot of times going hand in hand as a gifting. Right. And if you think about school, a history teacher, right, 
they they could probably teach a little bit of English or maybe a little bit of math or something, right? But they're they're there to teach history, right? Right, and then you have the the history teacher who's very knowledgeable. They invest all their time and energy into studying about history and making it palatable to people who they're trying to educate and and inform about history and consequences of history and all this stuff and they're teaching that but then you have those teachers who take it a step further and they're investing into the students lives on top of that and that would be maybe it would be similar to when you see a person who has a teaching gift and a pastoral gift that go hand in hand you would be like a teacher who's super invested in teaching their kids and breaking it all down but then also you know talking to the kids after class seeing how life is going you know it's going that extra mile some I remember I had some teachers who were super invested you know show up to my basketball games or my different sporting events and they were way more invested into who I was as a person than just teaching me in the classroom but then I had a lot of teachers who they were just there to teach me in the classroom and they could have cared less about who I (laughs) was as an individual person or whether I even graduated it seemed like but that's kind of the the differing of when you see a pastoral gift or a teacher gift or when you see them combined. And there are definitely people who have those giftings combined. I myself, teaching is my number one gift. And I probably, that's because I'm a huge nerd. I love to to study. I love to teach people things. I love to break things down. I homeschool my kids. You know, there's just a lot of things that would help support that. But I do not rate very high on the pastoral gift because, you know, it's that being involved in everybody's everyday life. It's it's more of that shepherding thing, which, you know, people might say I'm, I'm OK at. I, I mentor people, but I'm not I would say I'm, it's just not <laughs> my highest rated thing. And and that's OK. It's OK to have one or the other. I think it's cool when you have a pastor who has a awesome teaching gift though too well i think it's it's funny i'm i'm thankful that trish has a very high teaching gift because who knows where this podcast would go if she didn't because i definitely don't i and i think that goes to say at a church right if you're attending a church and the person that is up there preaching every week doesn't have a very high teaching gift and you know they're they're very much um, very rigid in, in what they do and what they say. And I mean, wouldn't you rather be sitting there listening to somebody who knows what they're talking about? I'm not saying I don't know what I'm talking about on the podcast, but I'm not somebody who I don't deep dive like Trish does. And I very much wing things. <laughs> so she's got a pile of notes in front of her. I have the definitions from this website that we used, right? I mean, we're very different on different ends of the spectrum, I think, in that regard. And I think that's what kind of makes this work to give some balance. The same way in a church, in the church body, we have all these different parts, right? And every piece does something that needs to be done, right? Otherwise, it doesn't function. For example, when I teach... I compile so many notes and I probably use 10% of the information that I compile because it would be a very long, drawn out, extremely boring to some people message. I have to kind of take what I have and make it palatable to 
people who maybe just want the highlight reel of what I learned. And, and I'm not, you know, saying everybody is that way. Cause obviously you have those people that are like me that are just like, tell me every little thing. Like what was the person wearing? What was the fabric? How did it feel on their skin? Like, I just want to know all the little pieces of information, but not everybody is that way. And so you will lose a crowd very fast and we will lose you guys listening to us very fast. If we get too much into all the little details, like, you know, even earlier when we are talking about prophecy, I probably had 30 scriptures that I have on my phone ready to go that I, I pulled up, I kind of have to learn to hone in and, and say, okay, this is the concept. You know, I, for example, when I teach my kids at home, I'm taking a very large concept of multiplication with my third grader right now. And I'm trying to break it down and simplify it in a way that she can um, understand, okay, this is what it means. You know, you have these little baskets and each basket is going to get an even amount of apples. So that's multiplication. And it's the very simplified version of what she will eventually be learning about multiplication. She's just dipping her toes in it. But that's kind of what a teaching gift does is it can take a complex subject like, you know, faith (laughs) and simplify it and help, help people to apply it to their everyday life. So if you guys have been enjoying this episode, and you haven't listened to the previous ones, I'd encourage you to go back and and start at episode 50, where episode 50, we we wrapped up a short series about purpose. And that one was about how the Holy Spirit fills you with a purpose. And that kind of led into this series. So episode 50, you get a little bit of a, a purpose. And then 51, we set up this series a little bit before we dove into the actual spiritual gifts in episode 52. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to any of those to catch up to where we're at. And next time we'll be wrapping this up with just two instead of what we've been on four. So we have two remaining to go over. And that is the gift of tongues or speaking in tongues and interpretation and the gift of wisdom. So I'd encourage you guys to come back and and take a listen. And if you have any comments or questions or prayer requests, you can feel free to email us at info at fallenshortpodcast.com or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram if you search Fallen Short Podcast. Until next time, I'm Thaddeus. And I'm Trish, and we love you guys. or maybe you're aspiring to start one. If you are, we'd like to encourage you to check out Blueberry Podcasting for all of your hosting needs. We use Blueberry today, and let me tell you, it's it's real slick. Uh, works with our website just fine on a plugin. So if you use our code Fallen Short, you can get your first month free. So you can go ahead and click that affiliate image link on our website and get started with your podcast.